and welcome to the Labor of Love podcast. I'm Nari Baker. I'm a Korean adoptee and a mother based on Coast Salish land, otherwise known as the Seattle area. And I'm Robin Park, a Korean adoptee and a therapist living on Tongva, Chumash, and Kich land, otherwise known as the Los Angeles area. Today, we are excited to be here with Jessica M. Lusiri, a transracial adoptee in reunion for the past 17 years, born in Bogota, Colombia, who grew up in Long Island, New York, as an only child in an Italian-American home. Jessica is a wife and mother of two kids. She identifies as an adoptee advocate, working to create supportive spaces for adoptees and their families around the world, and currently is the manager of community engagement at Spence Chapin. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for entering and coming into this space with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure, and I know this has been a a long time coming. I was first introduced to you actually through my sister, who also is an adoptee and worked with you in um, All Together Now, another wonderful organization that you've been a part of. And then we, of course, know each other through one of our beloved friends and colleagues, Joy, who's also been on that podcast. So we're just so great. Like We're so excited to be in conversation with you and to just hold this space. It's really an honor to be here with you guys and to have these conversations, to hear the amazing work that you're doing on your podcast. Even more special to be connected to you through these wonderful people that you just mentioned and and just to see how far the reach of our adoptee community goes. Oh, so true. Well, we always love to open up and ask our guests This first question, which is, what are the top two parenting themes you are meditating on these days? It's so interesting. I have a two-year-old and I have a five-year-old. I have a two-year-old daughter. I have a five-year-old son. And every day is something new. We're We're at this age right now where every day they're learning new things. They're coming home with new influences from school. And I get to look at them with these you know, new, fresh eyes every single day, and they're becoming their own people. And I think, you know, something that's been very important to me, I think, is to think about and be mindful of the unique individuals that they're becoming, and to really indulge the things that really they're interested in at this time, at, you know, at any given point in their in their lives. But watching them get older, find new things that they are, that they're learning and that bring them joy and just fanning that fire. I think especially through the past several years of pandemic, we were pretty isolated. You know, I had my son in 2017 during Zika and I had, (laughs) I had then had my daughter in 2020, in April, 2020, which was the very beginning of COVID more or less. And so there was a sense of kind of isolation and we didn't have as many options, as many opportunities to go out and kind of have those first years and and give them opportunities to meet people and do things. So it was really just kind of watching them develop and grow in a very contained space. So now that there's a little bit more, (laughs) there's a little bit more freedom and, and, and space to go out and do things. It's really just for me been giving my kids new opportunities and watching them find interest in things and separately and together Mm. as an only child. It's also fascinating to watch 
siblings. Mm, yeah. You know, I get to see them be friends, have similarities, have differences. So I'm just really uh, enjoying watching them and being a parent to these two very interesting little people. Yeah. I mean, what times to have them enter into this world as we're still having a pandemic go on, but I'm hearing just what, yeah, a unique time to have them come into your life and now watching them develop into these unique little humans. I'm also curious about how for you, your experiences during pregnancy, during the times of the Zika and and also the COVID pandemic, but also just postpartum, you know, and now where the connection you feel, but I know we've also um, in previous conversations kind of talked about the experience that goes with love and the loss around that too, or kind of finding this different type of connection. Can you tell us a little bit of more about what that's been like as you've watched your younger self reconnect um, with your children? Yeah. Being pregnant in 2016 into 2017 was when we were afraid to go outside because of the mosquitoes, because of Zika looming. So there was a sense of isolation there. And as much as I was very thankful that I have such a wonderful and supportive husband and a really wonderful, uh, you know, close circle of friends, there was a sense of isolation that was really difficult because it wasn't just an emotional isolation. And there was a sense of isolation kind of as an adoptee without having connections to my adoptive parents, with having a distant, you know, relationship with my birth mother, since I've been in reunion for, you know, since about 2005, 2006, it was really difficult to navigate where my support systems were at an arm's reach. And how does that play out for me as a pregnant person, as somebody who's pregnant for the first time, but also as as an adoptee who is, you know, at any given moment throughout my pregnancy reminded that I'm on a journey that I was a part of with somebody else at some point in my life that I don't have a real connection with. And then, you know, then of course you add in the fear of what a pandemic looks like and what getting sick can mean when you're pregnant and, and just the fears that come in and just the regular anxieties that come with being pregnant. It was a very tough time for me. Mm. I was very much so missing my mom. My mother passed away in 2006. My dad had passed away in 2014. I found myself looking to friends and kind of also just very much so looking inward to find the support that I needed to get myself through this time. And I'm so thankful that I really did have a lovely pregnancy with my son and really great doctors. And I had, of course, my adoptee community, which was extremely important during that time. But then what I noticed with my son, because he's my firstborn, was within those first three months of his life, there was this feeling that I was having that I couldn't place right away. And it was this feeling of connection, but disconnection and watching my son with so much happiness mixed in with a lot of sorrow. And what I started to really think about was I came to the United States. I came to New York when I was three months old. Mm -hmm. So for those first three months of my life, I was in an orphanage. And 
when I came to this realization that I was so hyper-focused on my son and, and doting on him and caring for him and loving him and just watching every move that he made, it was almost like this, you know, reclamation of a time that no one had with me for my first three months of life. And it brought me such deep sorrow. And it was the first time that I think I felt really connected to the younger version of myself, this zero to three month old part of who I was. Because every single move that he would make was delicious. Every single, every single squeak he would make was just something to pay attention to, was just something to love and to just be so thankful and grateful for. Perhaps I was like hyper aware of all of this because I didn't have that. But it also brought me some pain to know that here I was at some point existing in the world, existing in this space. And no one was saw the first time I rolled over. No one was hugging me when I was crying. Was I even crying? if there's no one to come and hug you. So I was just so appreciative of that time specifically between zero to three months. And I cherish that. And I really think that it set the tone for me as a parent to say, I get to heal my own self through the parenting that I now get to do for my children. But I get to separate that because they are not me. And I'm not going to bring my past traumas into my experience as a parent. But I can recognize, and I think it makes me a better parent because I can say, here are these two little people that are going to exist in this world and they have all the love in the world. And I was there to see all of these moments and love them through all of these moments and watch them change. But I can also have a place to say that was my experience, but now I'm in this different place in my life. And I get this opportunity to love on these two little wonderful babies. And the same experience happened for my daughter. It was almost as though I hadn't been anticipating it because I had also been, you know, trying to hang on to any thread of sanity that I could right before giving birth on April 21st, 2020, when the world was changing very rapidly. But my body kind of kicked back right into that mode again, postpartum. And I had a lot of complications after my pregnancy and I was, I gave birth. I came back home from the hospital and then three days later, after being wildly sick, I went right back to the hospital and spent six days there without my baby. Mm. So you have that lead up to, to having a child, having a child, and then you're leaving the hospital within 48 hours after a C-section, and then coming home and then having to be back in the hospital without. There was so much concern I had, because I also had my daughter without my husband with me because you couldn't have your partner there. So my initial worry before going into that experience was also, oh my God, my husband's not going to be there. How are they going to how are they going to create that bond? And I really had to do a lot of connecting with people to try to calm my fears in that way because I didn't want that to be something that was so on my mind because I knew that it would be okay. But there were a lot of things that went into that. So you know, into that time in my life and a lot of worry. But again, that same feeling kicked back in zero to three months of just being appreciative and being thankful that I have this time with my daughter. And I'm thankful that I had that so early in my postpartum days, because it was a realization I needed at the beginning of parenthood to, I think, 
know that zero to three months is special, but they're all special every month to come after that. Thank you so much for, for, yeah, just for sharing so many of the details and these larger world events, how deeply they affected you in such a specific way as an adoptee and just as a unique individual person. I'm a a mother of one child, so it's really fascinating for me to hear that you had a similar experience the second time around. It's almost like it wasn't anything I could control. Whatever the equivalent to muscle memory was, that was that for me. It was like it was like I was automatically transported back to that time. And again, that being the first experience with really connecting with my younger self or or the feelings that I had at that time, that in itself was its own experience that I have I can only imagine I'm going to have as I continue to watch my kids grow and see myself in them. Yeah, just kind of the intergenerational, perhaps one day if you're a grandmother, that time will also be very precious, you know, in the future with grandchildren. Um, but I also really just wanted to pull out and, and the beautiful way that you articulated that this was a time of healing yourself, but that there was also this really beautiful sense of differentiation that as much as it was, it, it was both and, you know connecting with your children, allowing them to have this really loving welcome into the world. There actually is parts of us that maybe will always do healing practices around, but won't because we can't go back in time and we can feel sad for the rest of our lives about it. And that's okay. in like a held and contained and way that can serve us in the way that we treat others, especially our own kids. And then for you also, I'm guessing, with the mentorship that you do. It's interesting to kind of live in myself at this time in my life when I've had so many different kinds of life experiences and to see how I think when you're tied into your identity and your identity is tied into a lot of the things that you output on a regular basis, you get a front seat of watching your identity change and conform around your experiences. But then, so it's been a little bit easier for me sometimes to see how things kind of point back to other places in my life. And I only hope that those are places of reconstruction in ways that are relevant to to who I am and who I'm becoming now. I'm very aware of just these moments and these experiences and and the people that I get to be around and the connections that I have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm also so curious for you, Jessica, because you have been in reunion for such an extensive period of time, again, also navigating births during global pandemics, you know, which also I'm sure made that really difficult to have types of connections and and visiting, but also how that has been. How have you really, you know, integrated birth family and extended family relationships into the relationships with your children? I reunited when I was 23 and I was a very different person than I was when I became a full wife and then a mother. And I have always remained very close to my birth family. I was reunited with my maternal side of the family. So my mother and the kids that she's had since having me, I'm one of six kids on my maternal side. And 
uh, you know, when I met my birth family, my my siblings were much younger than me at the time. So they've kind of always grown up knowing me as their big sister. And um, during the time that I was getting married and I and I had gotten pregnant, I really thought a lot about what their connection with my kids connection, what my husband's connection to my birth family would be, because even though I'm reconnected with them, I think I'm still always considering what my connection to them is. And that might be a lifelong journey because we are different people that live in different places. We have a lot of love for each other. We love each other and we have a closeness. I used to go down there at least once a year for about two two weeks to a month at least and stay down there. And I really built a really great foundation with them. But, you know, ultimately I think it's, it's always something I'm very conscious of as to the connection that I'm keeping with them because I could be down there for two weeks or a month out of a year, but then we still have the rest of the year and all the things that go on in our lives and, and how does that connect us, but also how does that kind of disconnect us in ways. So in thinking about, you know, my new family with my husband and my kids, their connection with the birth family down there, I had a bit of a tough time with it because it had to put me in a place where I also could not think about that without thinking about my parents who had passed. And what do my kids get now? They don't have their grandmother and their grandfather, but do they have abuela in Colombia? Do they have this extension of me, which I knew there would be a time frame where they would know her as my mother because to explain her as my birth mother would be probably not, it wouldn't work for their age. I was just very thankful to be accepted, to be welcomed, re-welcomed with open arms when I came down there with my son and my husband. And my birth mother, she swooped into action. She was abuela from the start. And I would just sit back and watch and just see how my kids were adopted into my birth family, how my mm. husband was adopted and accepted into my birth family. And I really did step back and watch because in that moment, <laughs> I had 13, 14 years at the time of it was just me. I was the one going down there and I was the one reconnecting. But now there's this new chapter in our lives. And my kids get to have a relationship. And I'm so thankful for the support system that I have here, because as an adoptee, I really had to work through that with my fellow adoptees, with my with my support system to say, how does one kind of exist in a world without my parents, but having reconnection to birth family, and now have children who have to navigate the world knowing that they had grandparents, but they have another set of grandparents who are biologically connected to them, but who will have the experience of being parented by them more than I had. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. it was almost like this feeling of what, what an, it, I almost felt like, again, because, you know, feeling the loss of my mother, of my dad, I felt like, wow, what a, what a special experience my birth mother gets to have now and having these, this, at the time, my grand, her grandson, 
I was very thankful to 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 say that she was again very welcoming, very warm, very grandmotherly to them, to him. Also, in a way that we've never spoken about, but also I could just observe there was like a respectfulness that there was still a space that would not be filled by my mom. But knowing that he could create his own relationship with my birth mother, with his uncles, with my brothers, with my sister, you know, with their extended family, it went from this fear of him not getting to know my parents to this excitement for him to know this part of me that he will get a closeness to at an age that I never had. As our stories tend to be as adoptees, but especially as adoptees who are in reunion or who have kids, you know, these are the things that I was really worrying about, thinking about. And really what I realized was it was a process that I had to go through that was more of a mourning process of letting my mom go as this fictional you know, this magical thinking of my grandmother, of my mother being a grandmother to my kids. I had to let that exist in a place where, in a way, she is. But now there's more room for this connection and, and the universe, you know, the universe put us in this space where we can all be in each other's lives. And why not embrace that? These relationships are not perfectly reciprocal. You know, the the lines are not back and forth. They're up and down and all around. And the healing and the love is going in all different directions. And depending upon where you are in the generations and in your story, you're on the receiving end or the giving end might not be the same for who you're receiving or giving to. And there's a beauty in that. There's a lot of complexity. But what I'm hearing for, from you is just this incredible capacity to see that larger picture to be engaged in like a larger kind of spiritual process for allowing for all of those connections to still be alive, whether the person is or not. And then really including um, and, and maybe just creating space for your son in particular and your daughter to, to come to that on their own terms and have their own experience with it. That is of course connected to your experience, but their own as well. Yeah. But that was something that I'm so thankful that, you know, my mentor was able to kind of put that in my mind and say, it's okay to let them have their own experiences because it's a new experience as a parent to say, there's an extension of you somewhere in the world that you've created, (laughs) but you have to give them control over that. And because this is something that for me has always been such a personal experience with my with my birth family and with reuniting and, and that whole, you know, the, the adoptee experience can be very just one's own. I was so thankful in that moment to be connected as I am to the people that I am, my fellow adoptees who can share things with me that they've had to navigate themselves. But once you hear these moments of truth and these moments of clarity you're just like right it's not the same like we can't always follow the same narrative as everyone else we have our own narrative and these are the nuggets that are so so important (laughs) but also you know it's, it's also learning from experience learning from loss learning from seeing people coming in and out of my life and also just again the experience of 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 being an adoptee and just knowing that we are people who have been brought into families 
So once you know that you were somebody from another place that has been put elsewhere and introduced and, and for me, lucky luckily enough, accepted into a different space, you know that families can be made of all different kinds of things and all different kinds of relationships and and experiences. So to be able to create that space comes from just my observing my experience and the, you know, the experiences of a lot of other adoptees and knowing that all the best thing we can do is create as much space as, as we can for each other and for ourselves, because it really does enrich your experience and just kind of sitting back and watching to see how things happen when you have an open heart. So beautiful the way that you just described that. And I think it speaks so deeply to your heart, which is just so expansive and so deep and giving and caring. And I think, you know, just not only in your parenting world, I mean, your presence, we just feel it, but also in your professional world, you know, you talked about how the universe put us in a place for us all to be together in your family. And I think that speaks also so beautifully to the work and the community that you've really intentionally sought out, been a part of, really been in relationship with incredible mentors and just community members and really how, as you describe it, being a mentor is really an extension of parenting. And so as you've been part of this mentorship program and really overseeing it, I am curious about how you talk about the shifting of energies that's needed to show up for the the kids that you've mentored and the families that you work with, and then also being able to show up for your kids. Because as we see, your heart is just so big. And how do you kind of put your hat, you know, on the the hook at the end of the day when you're switching between spaces? So I would love to hear how you do that because I I would love to learn that too. I wish I had like a I'm just like a wrapped up answer. I'm still learning. You know, it's, <laughs> I've been I've been lucky enough to be a part of this mentorship program since it started back in 2005. That's the same time that I reunited with my birth family. But I've been connected to the agency, to the organization that I work with, Ben Chapin, since I was younger, since, so, since I was 19 years old. Um, you know, I was in contact with the social worker. I'm not an adoptee from that organization, but I started there as a panelist and would speak to birth families and, and birth parents, adoptive parents, adoptees. And then during my time doing that, the mentorship program was born. I fell into it because Joy was our founder of the mentorship program, and I would follow Joy into a volcano if she led me into one. <laughs> but, us too, us too. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, and, and then this community was just built out of the mentorship program that connected younger adoptees, teenage adoptees with older adoptee mentors, 21 and over. And it became something that from the second I joined it, I knew that I could never not be a mentor. I could never not be a part of this program. You know, the line that we echo today that we we echoed the first day of mentorship was we wish this kind of program, this kind of programming had existed from when we were kids. What would it have been like to have this representation of the adoptee experience of older adoptees as younger people? And so because I've been doing this for such a long time and I've stuck with the program for all these years and I now oversee the programming, it gave me this unintentional, wonderful experience in 
watching kids and kind of like being a parent by extension and being a mentor, being an influence, being a place of support for kids, but also for my fellow mentors. And I was also, I, I stayed with mentorship while I was pregnant for both pregnancies. I think that watching my kids, my mentorship kids, my mentees, all of these years has given me such a big threshold for the things that kids go through, the differences that kids may experience in school. And you just see how unique every single individual is in what they bring back to mentorship, what they share that they're that they're dealing with, the feelings that they're having, the experiences, the interactions that they have. I look at my own kids and, you know, it makes me really look forward to when they get to the age that my kids in mentorship are, because I think that my kids in mentorship are just so interesting and they've got so much to offer. And we learn as mentors, we learn from them in ways that it's hard to put into words. They teach us, they, they leave an impact on us just as much as I hope we, we leave on them. But coming home from mentorship, I have a, a love for my kids. I have an appreciation for my kids. Because I know that I'm making a difference by being a part of something that creates a space for young kids to grow. And I can only hope that my kids are able to find themselves in spaces like this. And so sometimes it can be hard to leave my kids on a weekend to go and go to a mentorship event when they're home from school and they want to play. But I remember why I'm doing it. And I'm excited for the day when my kids get a little older and I can share more and, you know, more age appropriately the work that I do to let them know that, you know, when mommy has to go to work on a Saturday, it's because her heart is totally into it. And I really hope that the work that I'm doing is going to help others, but it's also helping me and it's helping me become a better parent for my kids. Mm -hmm. I hope that they understand the value of being a mentor, having mentors in their lives. Because as parents, I think we, we want to do everything for our kids. Of course, we want to make the world a better and safer and more enjoyable place for our kids. But what I've learned is being in a part of this group, there's so many other people that can help create that for your kids. It can be challenging sometimes. But again, I really do think that it is helping me be a better parent and making more space for all of the wonderful and unique and dynamic things that my kids will become when they get older. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I mean, I seeing this like positive feedback loop with your work and your inspiration and your dedication and devotion and the love that you have for our adoptee community and how that just like naturally bleeds into your parenting and vice versa. And that there's like a really natural flow of energy and effort and learning that you're getting as well, as much as you're teaching mm -hmm. and holding space and all those different realms. And I think kids can feel the the joy and excitement, this high level of of a capacity to understand, maybe not through words, but just through feeling of complexity that, yeah, of course, mommy wants to be with, you know, the kids and everything. And also she is self-actualizing and 
truly dedicated and loves the work that she does as well. I just think that's really, really important and powerful. And I think too, for, for, for many who are adoptees, I, I feel like I've heard this many times over is that there is that real strong pull to be with our kids and just kind of how, how do you navigate that? Sometimes the blurred lines, especially being in adoption work as an adoptee, that there's such a strong emotional pull. You're also only in one body. You can only be in one place at one time. And yeah, how, how does that work for you? And have you had to make shifts, especially since you've had your daughter, you know, and you have more than one kid and where have been the points of places where things have had to give and some of the sacrifices that you've had to make um, to make sure that you're, you know, also caring for yourself among all the many people that you're holding space for? Well, having my daughter during COVID, it was interesting because we were at home. We were just, we were all together. We were in this space where beyond, you know, having like maternity leave, it was like you were just home and you were there and you were, you know, I was with my kids and I, I got to have this wonderful experience of just kind of this closeness and like being very protected and isolated in our bubble to watch her grow and to watch my son kind of interact with his new sister and to watch my family grow. So since then, you know, I've been working more remotely, which I'm thankful for because, you know, the majority of my work that I do is, of course, holding events which take place on the weekends, but, you know, being able to be home and kind of prioritizing, you know, the importance for me to be closer to my kids and to be there, you know, not wanting to miss some of these moments. You know, I had COVID twice. And when I was going through those moments, it was a reminder that, you know, it is a blessing to be able to be with your kids and to be with your family. And when you have to isolate, even if it's just in the guest room, you know, like you're reminded. And so it really just kind of shifted my focus to say, this work is important. And it will always be important to me. But my family is ultimately, of course, comes first. And and there is a balance to that. There's a way to kind of prioritize both. And so being home and being here, you know, being able to bring her to her school, get her off the bus, my son, the same. It's a blessing, really, to have been able to have gone through this time and to come out of this with this this hyper focus on the importance of family and community, especially when I do have those days where I have to leave my family on the weekends. But I will say, you know, I'm also very aware and again thankful to the community and the and the support system that I have. That even though this this mentoring program is so deeply embedded in my heart and is a very big piece of who I am my involvement in the the adoptee community and being able to help to create spaces and to hold space for adoptees can shift as time goes on you know if the, if the need you know if, if if the need changes and if opportunities change for for me to to also hand over this program at some point and to still play a role in it i'm willing to take on any new change that comes that still allows me to do work that is meaningful because that is also something I think that really does help me become a better parent is, is having that connection to work that is really meaningful. I want my kids to learn. I was lucky enough to learn that from my parents to be able to do meaningful work and their work was meaningful in different ways. And this is such a personal experience for me 
that I'm really excited to get to share that with my kids one day in whatever arena that looks like in my life at the time. That was, you know, so wonderful that came out of the pandemic, but that realization and reshuffling of the cards and really being able to put into focus, you know, the value of being able to watch my family and to keep everyone safe and to know what everyone needed at the time has really played out into how I reintegrated back into post quote unquote, (laughs) post COVID world. Yeah. It's really, I mean, like you said, with the cards, it's really been a game changer in so many ways for us uh, individually, collectively. And I just want to acknowledge and thank you for that reminder about how your commitments and needs can change over time, you know, within the community that you can still be ever present in so many ways and also set limits or boundaries. I think I struggle with that because I also, like you, am just so deeply invested and, and want to always find meaningful work in our community, but it can evolve just like, you know, our own identity development, but really just that that can also shift and being able to recognize when that shift needs to happen. So I just appreciate that reminder and seeing that in action is really just a beautiful thing. Well, you know, Nari said before, um, self-care there is so much going on that sometimes self-care for me can end, end up taking a backseat. I do my little things every once in a while that I can. But that piece right there that you just mentioned, Robin, is a bit of self-care that, that has an, you know, a momentary effect for a longer term outcome, right? So I can, I can know that this space right now is really what serves me. And I hope that it continues to. But if it were to change, it's okay. It is okay to exist in different spaces. It's okay to take some time if needed. This is a community that exists for all of us at any point. How many times do we get to speak with people who are coming into their own as adoptees, people who are coming out of the fog, late discovery adoptees, people who are in their much older years who have just kind of connected with the adoptee community? This community is always there. There will always be space for all of us. Yes, it's a blessing to have been able to be a part of some of the spaces that I've been in, but those spaces have evolved as much as I've stayed connected to the community. So to know what that can look like in the long term is exciting, and it gives me some peace. <laughs> so that's my that's my little bit of self care that I'm able to do because if there's anything I know, sometimes we have to change our own inner monologue to like to soothe ourselves, whether we know we need soothing or not. <laughs> But, but it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there is that healthy detachment as well, you know, that, that can be developed over time. Things don't have to be as gripped, you know, and there's space for flow, for growth and change and transition and transformation. Yeah. Well, we always love to ask and and kind of close out with speaking of self-care, you know, what other labors of love besides parenting and mentoring that you are doing these days, what does that look like for you? I am a photographer at heart and always have been. And I am lucky enough to have had, uh, my dad was, he was an enthusiast of photography and, you know, showed me how to use a camera from a young age and And really, I don't know if that was what sparked my interest in being a photographer, but 
you know, I went to school when I was in high school, I was very indulged by my, by my teachers to learn and to perfect my skill, not perfect, but to, you know, to really just give myself the space to learn and um, grow within my role and as a photographer. And it's brought me to some really interesting and, and wonderful places. And that is more than just another, you know, part of my life. It is where I find a lot of peace. It's where I find some control in a time when I feel like, you know, we, we mentioned hats earlier and I feel sometimes, and I know I've said to you guys before, it's hard because I feel like I don't get to take my hat off. I can take my hat off with photography and still know that it's something that really serves me and brings me so much joy. And I love seeing life through the lens of a camera. I love watching people. I, it's, I love capturing landscapes and, and just traveling. And so, and now I get to see my little ones on the other end of my camera and see them pick up a camera. Self-care for me is kind of reverting and giving more time back to something that has always brought me joy and always brought me a lot of learning, even if it's just you with your camera in your hand. And I get to document the lives of my little ones. What a better focus to now have instead of shooting, you know, strangers in New York City. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm capturing their little moments and it's so, it's so wonderful. And again, to just see them find interest in that, you know, that is, that is, I think how I'm, I'm definitely taking care of myself. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing so much of your story and your wisdom and the journey that you've been on for so long. I feel like you sh you shared so many profound, poignant moments in your life and the narrative that you've created and that you've shared is so illuminating for, for me, for us, and hopefully mm -hmm. for a lot of our listeners. And also that you leave this door open for space and change for yourself, which I feel like is just such a huge expression of self-love and love for others and love for and hope for where our community can go. So thank you so much again, Jessica. Thank you. And thank you for those very, very beautiful words. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning every day. I, I learn to, to lead with an open heart and an open mind. And, you know, I, I do hope that this is a community that I get to be a part of for, you know, well, it is a community that I am a part of for the rest of my life, but that I get to participate in actively and so much has come so many wonderful things have come from connecting with other adoptees and this experience with you both has been wonderful I know we spoke in the beginning and, and I and I had mentioned that um, I was really excited to to talk about my experience as an adoptee and as a parent because I don't really get to think about that as much and it was really nice you know kind of looking at my life in this light and sharing it with you guys and hearing from you both and being a part of this incredible work that you're doing to support our community. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Labor of Love podcast. Please like us, share us, and follow us on Instagram at Labor of Love Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and leave us a review if you feel moved to do so. We also want to take a moment to shout out to our amazing donors. It has been so wonderful to feel the love and support of our growing community. We appreciate you. Much gratitude and thanks to Stephen, Joy, Violet, Marie, 
Angela, Shoop, and Annette. And if you would like to join these generous donors in supporting the pod, please donate on Venmo at Labor of Love Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. <laughs>